0: Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber
1: and Ed Haley.
0: Hi, I'm Brian. I am Ed on mute. I mean, now I'm not on mute, but I was.
2: <laughs> and this is the Instinctive Influencers podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And, oh boy! All right, so here we go, buddy. I have got, I've got an opening joke. I just got this for my wife. I went downstairs, you know, I'd use the bathroom and also uh, grab a hold of my ZOA because I would like to start the day off right. Um, so, what happens <clears throat> when you slap Dwayne Johnson on the rear end? Um I I don't know
1: what happens. You hit rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Michelle was not as she, she was, she, she sat down there at the table. She's supposed to be doing homework, by the way. So do your homework. Uh, but she's down there doing homework and she all of a sudden gets distracted watching like one of those, uh, you know, the dad jokes where yeah. two people sit there and tell jokes back and forth and it's Emily Blunt who's in the jungle cruise with him and her and they're doing back and forth. And she told that one, and Michelle was like, I have to tell Brian. <laughs> is it in, it's this, probably this is in her notes best. for school. So, she, yeah, you know, was she was just trying to
0: remember it. So she wrote <laughs> it down like in her school notes. That joke is probably in there.
2: Well, she's supposed so. to be building a slideshow uh, for her class. Uh, it's a presentation. And I thought, well, what a great well, icebreaker. I hope
0: that's not in there.
2: It's not too profane. So, hey. not at all all right hey uh so you didn't have one to throw back i guess i don't okay that's fine
0: i'm just looking here ryan we may have a small problem is that i don't see audio coming through from my side the i don't see audio uh, being recorded right now i see yours Okay, I don't see me. I see. Yeah, you.
2: you're being recorded, buddy.
0: Okay. No, I Scroll see the down. name. I don't see the. Yeah, I don't see
1: the lines not moving. No, I don't. I, I don't know.
2: <clears throat> ah, hey, you know what? This will be a. This would be a good one <clears throat> then uh, for listeners if they're if they're yeah, watching. Like, and they're just like might be one sided. I, I, I hope you're a good not reader. So those of you listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm great at. Um okay. No, it says it, I'm it there. says it's you recording right now. So. Um anyway. So you took you took an impromptu trip this week, children, my friend?
0: <laughs> yeah, we did. We uh we went to uh yeah. went to Munich yeah. or as they say in Germany, München. We went down to München and hung out in Bavaria. Yeah, that's how they say it. The city's München. Name. We just, you know, we we English it up and call it hmm. Munich. But, yeah, we went down there. And so, <laughs> it's cool because, city. you know, being a World War II guy, <laughs> right, you go down there and you can actually see, like, the stuff that's been rebuilt. You know, a lot of the buildings, the one church that I showed you, you saw a picture of the St. Michael's Church. They rebuilt a lot of that because it was – the Allies destroyed right. that city. Like, that city – there was, like, millions and millions of pounds of rubble. It took, like, five years to clean that city out to start the rebuilding process. Even the famous beer hall that I went to, the uh beer really? hall, um, a lot of that was destroyed, but then they, they rebuilt it. And then the big thing was uh, many of the structures that were destroyed, they decided to rebuild and make them look old and look like they did prior to all the bombing. So... That was kind of a cool thing. And then it's also the beginning of World War two is in Munich, really. Um, that is where, you know, a bunch of former German soldiers who are upset in the 20s, they start their uprising and they they um uh, <clears throat> stage a coup, a coup that fails, and one of them is shot. And his name is Adolf Hitler, so he's shot in this coup attempt, and he's shipped off to prison where he writes Mein Kampf. Uh And then uh, he comes back, and they decide that that's going to be the, like, headquarters, basically, for the uh, Nazi party going into World War II. So lots of history there. But mm, I won't say it's canceled, but they really kind of don't acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Like, in that beer hall, the whole second floor, that's where he gave one of his most famous speeches. But they don't advertise that that hall is even up there it's kind of you could wander up there
1: or you have to know about it so interesting trip though
2: no way yeah i mean i would tell you that you know as as you and your lovely wife uh do these travels (laughs) i often like follow your journeys uh via facebook Uh, with all the wonderful pictures and some of those pictures i'm just like wow it's just amazing (laughs) so it's it's, i i like history like you though too yeah it's pretty Uh, you want to tell uh you want to tell them about what you told me about this uh this church that was built uh Uh, between two house and a business or something like this this
0: church built uh two brothers they built it next to their residence and then a business was on the other side and and literally the, the church is 30 feet wide it's long, but it's 30, only 30 feet wide. But when they built it, they decorated it with like just so much stuff. Um, so the the guide we use, we use Rick Steves. He does a lot of travel guides. So we we like to use his pocket travel guide because it always has a like city walk in it, whatever. And in it, he says it was basically like if you were building a if you were part of your church's building committee, this is the church to go to because you could be like, ooh. Oh, that golden, you know, that golden thing here. Oh, yeah, we'll take one of those. That'll be nice. And then, you know, like they had a golden, it was um, the Grim Reaper about to cut the uh, thread of life. And it's got a little cherub there and all gold and just shiny. And it was like, oh, yeah, we'll have one of those for our church. And then the ceiling is flat, but it's done. I swear, if you stand in there, you're like, no, that's that's a dome. So, you know, the church building committee could be like, oh, we can save some money there. We'll take that pretend dome, too. So it was just everything you could think of in a church during the Reformation period crammed into this little (laughs) thing. And the brothers were architects, so they were just trying to sell their work, right?
1: So it was pretty cool. It was really nice inside. Oh, it's pretty neat.
2: Now... yeah and and you'd mentioned something about you yourself and tammy were trying to uh do oh, yeah. videos but then you got in the way of <laughs> yeah, another lady so and so you had to do like this it's funny because here yeah. a lot of
0: people <laughs> will be in your way they see you're trying to take a picture of something and then they're not moving but we were recording a video and without thinking we're recording right in front of the statue of saint michael battling the demon and so we're standing there and this lady is like looking at us and she you could and i could see she's getting frustrated the wife is talking. We got the recording, selfie stick. And I tell my wife, I say, Will, hey, get ready. We're going to move. Ready? And during the video, you can see us go like this across the thing. And the lady goes, N-. she goes, Danke. And then she takes her picture and she's gone. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of humor in that video that will be eventually posted on our little traveling page. And we took the <laughs> poodle.
2: Yeah, yeah. N- oh, just- so, so we're, we're quick i want to go back uh, yeah, you said you guys a, do a
0: traveling page
2: yep it's yeah, just strictly traveling, traveling haley's, haley's right
0: somebody commented oh you post all these pictures and videos won't you do that somewhere else and i said okay we'll delete you and then i'll make another page because it was actually a decent idea and so we have uh we did three videos this time so we'll see the beer house one is pretty good the huffbrow house one is pretty funny Uh, We were having strudel with the poodle at the beer house. And yes, I did have a liter of beer to chase down my strudel. So, (laughs) and the poodle did get to taste a drop of beer. I held my mug too low and the poodle got into it. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So good weekend. Good weekend.
2: Oh, I see what happens. It was heavy. It's It's a liter. That's crazy, man. Like, I mean, so this, uh, and it's called the See, traveling, the traveling Haley's. Yeah. It, th- th- this, this particular uh, Facebook page is called the traveling Haley's. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So hey, y'all check that out. Uh, check it out. Yeah. It's the gram. Oh, it's Instagram.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then we put the Only videos Instagram. on
2: Instagram TV.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. So
2: check it out. <sighs> nice, nice, nice. I'm, I'm definitely going to be subscribing <laughs> today, my so, friend. So now you'll have, have two three? viewers. Have we both
0: subscribe. <laughs>
2: All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, hey. You know, it's it's always great to hear stuff like that, man. Like you get you getting out, getting to doing things, and, and you're enjoying yourself. And you know, it's like you get to experience something different, right? You you know what it's like here in the states. You've been to multiple countries there, so it's like you're seeing these different sides of things right you're, and you and you're starting to understand how certain mm-hmm. cultures are built because of the multitude of uh cultures basically coming together and, and america is kind of like that right we're we're those multitude of cultures ed do you know where i'm going you're with this do pbbn again no <laughs> no 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 we're going to talk we're going to talk about the five leadership styles, right? And the, these are different leadership styles that somebody can help pull into their organization or they could create within an organization. Obviously, they need to do it naturally. But to be able to pull these in, they're going to create a certain type of culture. You know, much like what I was talking about there with, you'll have, you'll have, uh, one side that's, uh, you know, maybe a German culture, maybe some British culture. You may have a Middle Eastern culture. You know, you have all these different things here in the States. That's what we are. We're just a mix of all those cultures. And for us to go over these leadership styles, I think it's going to help out listeners to understand. Yeah. It's like a melting pot.
0: It's it's, a, you get a lot of different, you know, and I think leadership styles, I'm going to tell you, leadership styles are the same thing.
2: Exactly. There's no,
0: this is my leadership style and that's all there is. It's, they have to bring several pieces together, and then some are good in time and place with and then others would not work and and we're going to talk about that. I've got some notes uh prepared to
1: discuss those things. <sighs>
2: Absolutely. So let, let's let's just get started. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to go back and forth in each of these leadership styles. And I know you have uh, a great deal of notes because you actually asked me to hold off on this <laughs> so you could uh, expand upon what we were learning from this uh, particular article that we went on. So <clears throat> the five leadership styles you can use. All right. So you can use these, but it doesn't mean you have to stick to any yep. particular one. All right. Uh, basically, great leaders have emerged with particular leadership styles throughout history in providing direction, implementing plans, and motivating people sounds very much like uh, the army's uh, definition yeah, of leadership it's all in there. <laughs> uh, These can be broadly grouped into five different categories <laughs> so we have authoritarian leadership, participative leadership, delegative leadership, transactional leadership, and then transformational leadership and we're going to go over each one um. But we're going to answer some particular questions when we go over these. Uh, Those questions that we're going to be answering is like, what is the meaning of each leadership style that we're going to talk about? And what is the difference between the different leadership approaches? So they are the same in some ways and different in others. And then what are the advantages and disadvantages of using each of the leadership styles? So before we jump right into the first one, Ed, do you have any opening comments about it? Yeah. Are you there, Ryan? Mm, Sitting on a delay.
1: Yep. Are you there?
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, buddy. We got a big delay this time. It's not bad. Uh, We'll be fine.
0: Let me see something here. I'm going to try to fix it. Maybe. Uh, So I do have... Yeah, we're going to have to... Are you editing this? I hope you're editing this one. This <laughs> one's a rough one. I'm trying to make it better. Nope. No, <laughs>
2: that's no. okay.
0: All right, so yeah, the good thing about this one, this week, and the reason I was excited about this week is because go back to my final paper for my bachelor's degree, which I'm getting ready to start my master's here in the coming months, and we I did an examination of different leadership styles and and talked about the leadership styles of Patton, Rommel and Montgomery during World War 1 and 2 and how they developed so that's kind of why I was so excited for this particular episode. And I kind of looked at how their experiences shaped those things so had me pretty excited about this week's episode.
2: Nice. Yeah, I'm 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 ex- I'm extremely stoked cuz I know this is kind of a this is a field of study that you and I are very involved in. You know, um, I've gotten multiple degrees just dealing with leadership and understanding leadership, the philosophies of it, and then you know the different uh, mechanics of it. And then I know how you feel about like you get in depth mm. because you love history and studying that particular uh, the history of those famous generals and and military leaders and their style of leadership and how they went about it. So, yeah, it excites me too, brother. All right. Hey, why don't you do this, Ed? Why don't you start us right off with that authoritarian leadership? I mean,
0: this is my favorite one. Um, So authoritarian leadership uh, style. (laughs) (coughs) 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 So this style allows a leader to impose expectations and define outcomes. A one-person show can turn out to be successful in situations when a leader is the most knowledgeable in the team. Although this is an efficient strategy, in time-constrained periods, creativity will be sacrificed since input from the group is limited. The authoritarian leadership style is also used when team members need clear guidelines. So one of the articles that I found, and I don't remember who the author was, but it was on the NCO Journal page. It was called Mastering the Art of Dynamic Leadership. And they called this um, Autocratic Leadership. And it said autocratic leadership provides the following definition or the article defines def- the autocratic leadership as army leaders are expected to be the decision makers and issue clear decisions, mission statements and goals to their subordinates. Thus, the army structure lends itself to an autocratic leadership. This leadership style worked well in environments involving life or death decision or when the decision making process becomes stale. So really, we're saying Time and place. This could be a decent leadership style. So in combat, on the, in in the midst of a battle, something like that, might not be time to have a discussion and decide what's the best course of action. May have to be a lot more, you know, straight down the line. And it's the same thing in any organization. There's, you know, a couple of the things that I was thinking about with this one, Brian, was maybe, um, you know, time constraints. It talks about time constraints. Maybe we just got a short suspense for my team and whatever organization. And at that point, maybe I don't have the freedom to be, to discuss things in depth. um, Like we need, maybe it has to be more of a kind of, I'm going to push the ball forward from here.
1: You know?
2: Yeah. 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 So, if we talk about these advantages and disadvantages, Ed, uh, would you, in your own uh, thinking and 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 your research that you've done, would you be able to say, "Hey, this is the type, this is the person I've seen in history that has used the authoritarian style the most I that mean, people could examine my to man, understand General more.
0: George S. Patton."
2: This is one, you know, it, it's a
0: strength and weakness for him, though. So I think that we. You know, on the battlefield, he was very yeah, much. Yeah. So this goes into, this really plays into a couple of things. So one thing that it definitely plays into is, you know, Patton had a philosophy of leading from the front. Well, it wasn't just because he liked to be shot at. He did like to be shot at. But he wanted to lead from the front because the battle changes in the front. Right? And a leader in the rear, there's a lag between what's changing on the battlefield and me getting the information to make a decision where if I'm up front, Where Patton is on the front lines, he can then dictate and make these on the spot um, decisions, and then you know, and then that helps make the plan. Also, he you know, he wanted his plans to be executed violently and, and efficiently, and that goes into kind of his autocratic. Now, he did other leadership styles, but this
1: is one that I think was the strength and weakness of him.
2: Oh yeah. If, if, and if, you know, I wanted to link it to someone also who was not, they weren't military related, but they were, you know, they were one of our presidents. I would have to, you know, I did some research and I found, you know, once I did research, I didn't realize this, but did you realize John F. Kennedy was more of an authoritarian leader than he was any other type? I didn't know that. No, I didn't. No. No. Yeah, so he's he's really? one of the top seven authoritarian leader examples uh, out there. There's a few others, but I was just, I was very curious to see that that he was. Uh, and, and it talks perhaps one of the most famous presidents of the United States and in the world. JFK was also one of the most loved by the Americans. With years of being a politi- uh, in politics, Kennedy was not only the one who wanted to become the president of the country, rather it was his brother who ended up dying in a plane crash. But when JFK was elected as the highest official in the U.S., the world saw him as a visionary. It was under his regime that the first man, uh, the first man was sent to the moon, uh, a feat the, that led to the subsequent uh, space exploration. Uh, this was made possible by his authoritarian leadership in which he was able to motivate and convince America to support the space program. So I yeah, never linked that. I never linked the fact that, you know, because he was pushing that space program. But I think hard, this goes
0: into um, real hard. This is another great example of advantages and disadvantages, because, you know, he also had another little thing during his time called the Vietnam conflict. So um, I, I don't know how authoritative he was in that. But, yeah, that is that is interesting. So one of the things I found interesting, too, Brian, when you look at the advantages, it says uh, mistakes. And the implementation of plans can be reduced through this type of leadership, right? But can it really because I, f- but I don't yes. think it's like guaranteed because I think that you know, yeah, you're you're leading it and you're making sure from the front, but at the same time, you're also creating a toxic kind of environment with your subordinates where they're not getting the buy into what we're trying to accomplish. So again, I think it goes back to time and place in the middle of a conflict the middle of an actual battle yeah it'll probably work but back in your office i don't i i think you're you're
1: really creating more of the disadvantage at that point
2: yeah exactly um let's see you talked about here so Let's, let's look at some of these advantages though. Uh, the chain of command can be clearly emphasized so people understand where they stand within that leadership realm, right? That it's, it's been defined. People know, uh, you, usually you don't have to continuously, uh, re-engage, you know, who's in charge of where and whatnot. Uh, but sometimes that can be also a problem. Um, uh, mistakes in the implementation, mm-hmm. implementation of plans can be reduced. And then using an authoritarian leadership style creates consistent results. Just depends. Depends upon those that are following and things like that. You know, you have to obviously feel, uh, you know, what's going on there. Uh, Time spent on making crucial decisions can be reduced when it's authoritarian because it's really kind of coming from the leader type thing. Um, Some of those disadvantages though, Ed, what what do you you think about those disadvantages we're going to look at?
0: Input is reduced dramatically. So when you do that, then... That in turn goes to the next one. It reduces the group synergy and collaboration, yeah. which then kills employee creativity and innovation. So I think the disadvantages really feed off each other. But I also think that it's important yes. to understand, you know, you and I are very aware of getting last minute taskings, right? That's So we can't go to the board and brainstorm something if we have a suspense that's due tomorrow that came out today. It, it happens. It shouldn't happen, but it happens. So there's, you know, those things work. But I, I think it's kind of neat how the disadvantage is really yeah. one just snowballs into the other, into the other, um, and then the final part of that snowball, right? We're at the avalanche now. Is authoritarian leadership increases employee turnover rate? So now the snowball is out of control. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um so if I if I was going to throw my recommendations out about this particular one, I would if, if there's anybody out there that think, "Oh, you know mm-hmm. what? I could use that." I would tell you use it sparingly. Use it sparingly, use it when it's needed, when decisions can't j- just can't be made or or you have uh, you know, let's say you have a group of leaders and you've you've left it upon them to kind of get something done and they don't move beyond you know, like an initial start, or they, they're stuck at a point. That's where you have mm-hmm. to jump in, just like you said in battle. You have to, you know, you have to lead and lead the charge. It's the same thing. So if they're stuck at this point, right, and they're at a plateau and they can't keep increasing production or they can't increase and become better, that's when you jump in and you be that authoritarian. But you don't do it often because if you do it too much, one of the key things I saw, Ed, that I thought about when it said disadvantages. Was a rigorous leadership style can sometimes lead to employee rebellion. You can turn the mm-hmm. group against I, you. I mean, I've seen quickly. it. In the, I've seen it in
0: the military where you maybe wouldn't think it would happen. I've seen it. Um, super strict, very do things my way kind of motor siren. You know, in charge of of maintenance. And I'm telling you, we were we were at the National Training Center in California, mm-hmm. and I was a very young private, maybe. And I watched four mechanics take their toolbox and put them in on the truck and say, "I'm not, I'm not doing anything else until that dude, somebody addresses how he talks to us and how he, you know, takes away our power base." Uh, and, and so then it took, mm. you know, sergeants majors to get involved at that point because these guys are like, I'm, "I don't care, you can punish me, I'm not working." And you've got four of them, uh, you know, four of what five mechanics I think we had or something like that. So yeah, I, I've actually seen this in the military happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so I want to I back up a little bit. I have a personal story also with it of myself using too much authoritarian leadership. And this was t- some time back. I was a staff sergeant, um, and uh, I had a buddy. I had a couple of staff sergeants that worked in the section I was in charge of, and I had a really good friend, uh, Chad Fritz, a uh, great guy. Loved him to death. He's a he's a Louisiana Cajun <laughs> man, so you know he's he's a little different, but he was always always. He was always honest with me and I loved it about him because he helped me become better when he would be honest. And there was one day that I was uh, I was being very authoritarian and I was it was almost like teetering on that little too much. Yep. And he pulled me aside and he's like, hey, listen, guy, I know you're in charge. I got it. That's fine. But be careful because what you're doing is you're pulling that power base from the rest of us staff sergeants and even your sergeants when you start doing that. He's like, and, and he explained it to me. And I was like, you know, hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I listened to him. Um, did I go back and do it some more down the, like here and there, sporadically? But his conversation helped me because sometimes you have to listen to others to get better. And, uh, and it, I, I would definitely say that I understand it. But I try to use it as sparingly as, mm-hmm. as sparingly as possible. I don't like to use it very often because it's just you will create enemies yeah, so fast. Think, with so for it me, if you're not careful. when I
0: when I did go through some time of doing this too, uh, but it was more. Um, I was still trying to figure out how to be in charge of something. You know, like it was very early Sergeant E five days, and I was like, yeah, I have to take this role on. And even as a staff sergeant, when I first went to work in a warehouse, um, there were some issues, some discipline issues. And I felt like this was the role to take initially to get past some of those discipline issues. It yeah. Was not right? Maybe not. It, it worked out okay. Okay-ish. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, it, this is something. And I do think, I think it's a, a gut response. First time you're in charge of something, you know, you're a team leader, squally, whatever. And then all of a sudden you want people to know, you know, I got beat on my chest, right? Oh, I'm in charge. This is my do it this way. And this is how to be done. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't always work. And we're going to see some much better leadership styles.
2: Absolutely. I'm glad you transitioned to that because we're going right to jump right into the a part participative leadership. Um, so. <laughs> All right. So, participative leadership styles are rooted in the dem- democratic theory. Now, I don't want anybody to get that wrong. That's not dealing with a, a, a political party. The, it, you you want to look up democratic theory. Do a quick uh, research on it because uh, you'll see it's much different. However, the essence, <laughs> essence is to involve team members in the decision-making process. Team members thus feel included, engaged, and motivated to contribute. I like that. The leader will typically have the last word in the decision making process. However, if there are disagreements within a group, it can be time consuming to reach a consensus. So, what we're saying here is, is this particular leadership style, it's creating the involvement of the group. You know, Ed, when I think of this one, I think of extreme ownership, okay. I think of decentralized command uh, in a sense. But I, what I think about is, is how do you get ownership from the rest of the group? If you make it their idea, like if, if you get them involved, they're not going to let it fail so much, right? They're going to want to be a part of it. And then sometimes, yeah, sometimes you have to jump in. This is what that part where I said, sometimes you got to jump in and you got to make the decision because it's time consuming. However, you're getting people involved. And I mean, frankly, you know, just as well as I do, the idea, just one idea from me is nowhere as powerful as an idea from five people, you know, five different ideas, because then we may be able to select which one's the best and then take pieces of the other ones, incubate those into the, the, the one we thought the best, and we create a massively uh, awesome idea, you know. Uh, but so participative leadership, yeah, so what, what are your thoughts, my man? Of
0: the, uh, when we were at the academy, you know, you had that red teaming handbook that we use and had a bunch of exercises in there for this kind of thing. Like um, how to get a team consensus on where to eat lunch. I think was the one I used to do it was like five, five for 25 and you'd sign point values. But so there's a bunch of different ways um, to do these type of things. And, and it does get a lot more involvement. So I went a little bit different. I went a little more military decision-making. I went with course of action development, right? So my team, my staff, develops these courses of action for whatever it is okay and then they present them to me for a um, like a commander's decision briefing so they say hey here's the here's the three top courses of actions that we came we super important came up with and they give them to you and you ask some questions and they you know have a little dialogue and then you say okay i think that the you know we could go of course of action number two so i'm making the final decision because At the end of the day, you know, I'm in charge. I'm I'm, I'm the top guy that's going to, you know, get slapped on the hand if things go sideways. But at the same time, I used my team to develop them. It's not me going and researching what's the best ways to handle something, it's my team telling me and informing me how. So that's why I kind of went to a course of action um, development Mm -hmm. and uh, commander
1: decision briefing model for participative uh, leadership.
2: Well, I think I, you know, uh, you, you just talked about participative. So I think yeah. of MDMP, otherwise it was the military decision-making process. Um, and I'm about to dive into that. Uh, I want to say next week or the week after at school. Uh, but it's the same way. It's it's not one person that's making a decision during that process. It's actually, you're gathering oh. those experts of the different fields to fill those questions with answers from that expert to help create the most conducive course of action as possible, uh, you know, try to help out. Um, so some of the advantages of this, this particular one, uh, is it increases employee motivation and job satisfaction. Uh, it encourages mm-hmm. the use of employee creativity. A participative leadership style helps in the creation of a strong team a high level of productivity can be achieved. Those yeah. are the, that's, and I can see that. I, I, and, and I know from experience in using that participative leadership style, that's exactly how it's done. Uh, I, I can tell you uh, when we, I was putting something together. Uh, oh, it was, it was to build the NCO PDs for my last unit. So the non-commissioned officer professional developments that we would do monthly. And I gave everybody an index card Ed. And I told them, hey, listen, give me your top five, your top five things that you want to learn about or that you would like to, uh, to, be, uh, to receive more knowledge on um, through our NCOPDs. And so I took all those cards and then I sat there, man, I typed out every single one of them. I typed them all out, then I categorized them, and then I figured, and then I basically looked at, okay, which ones, you know, which was the top one, which was the next one, all that stuff. But I was able to use that part- yeah. I, I mean, I could have just came up with all the ideas myself. But that's not, but that, well, how does that benefit them? As exactly. the, how does that create their creativity? How does that uh, create that stronger team? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I yeah, mean, no, it's, just, it's the, just all you do things, you're
0: brainstorming and these ideas, but everybody has a say. And, you know, I remember when we used to teach brainstorming, everybody has a say, and nobody's input is, is foolish everybody's input has value to it. It may not be to you. It may seem foolish, but to that person providing it, it's got value. And then for you, the value is letting them voice their opinion because then on the backside, you're getting a little buy-in with them, right? Like you let them speak their piece. Maybe that's not the decision that's made, but they got it out there. So those are some great advantages, but there's some disadvantages. Um, And I think personally, the first one is, for, we've been talking about military decision-making process, but let's just cut off the military. Decision-making process has become time-consuming. This is true. It does take some time. You have to do some research. There is some development, right? Um, But I do think that this one can be easily overcome with some proper planning, and over, you can overcome it. But this is one of those instances, this can't be a short suspense, right? If I know that we're going to have an organizational day, which for no. our, our listeners, those are like where we get together and we have some barbecue and we have some fellowship and we play some games amongst the, you know, with the, within the unit and the family members. But if I know that three months down the line, I have time now it, to do the decision-making process. But if I procrastinate and now we're three weeks out, I don't, I don't have that time. And that's when this could become a disadvantage here. Um, so I think the first one could be overcome. Uh, leaders have a high probability of being apologetic to their employees. Um, I don't know, Brian. What do you think of that one? That's, mm. Mm. I mean, yeah. Uh,
2: the, I, I think what it is, it turns into. I think that one is is like if I have to step in and make the decision, and I say, hey, sorry, guys, I had to make a decision on this. I know you guys were stuck. You you were. Picking this, but I had to make a quick decision. I think that's where they were. Maybe that's where we're getting at with the disadvantages: is you may have to apologize for the fact that you stepped on that decision,
0: or the ones that weren't selected. Right? Like create the own. You know, know, I'm all in. Mine is the best possible course of action, and we go the other way. Yeah, it's like, hey, and again, you pretty much did it perfect. Like, hey, not going that direction. I'm, you know, I'm sorry for that, but it was a good idea. It's just we think this is the better route. Communicate. I mean, this one can happen everywhere, right? And yeah. every one of these leadership styles, communication failures can sometimes happen. I think the danger is here: is if you just say to that same person, "Yeah, we're not, we're not doing it that way. We're, we're going with this." Uh, you could cause some ill feelings there, right? Rather than saying, "Hey, it was a good mm-hmm. idea, but we're going with this one because yes. it was the consensus, or because it made more sense financially, or whatever it is." that is a better way to do it. But if you just go, yeah, we're not going with your idea. Uh, you you could be making them feel small, like talking down to them. So, um, security issues. This is yes, very much security issues, uh, yeah. can arise because of transparency <sighs> and information sharing. So too much information out there about whatever the project is could cause some security um, concerns. You know, uh, corporate America has that, right. Um, they have, you know, it, it They have people trying to steal ideas from other companies. And if we're oversharing, that could become a very uh, big um, challenge and dangerous, right? And then, uh, yeah, exactly. Everybody wants to do whatever Apple's doing next. Um, Face, I don't know. Maybe your breath opens your phone. I don't know. Um, But everybody wants that technology. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine if your breath had to open your phone, but you just like ate at a seafood restaurant? Anyway. Um, <laughs> but in a poor decision. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and poor decisions can be made if employees are unskilled. I think this goes back to talent management. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I think it goes back to, you know, we've talked about. That does. Fun. Because if, they're, if you put them in that position. Yes. Then maybe you poorly manage the people on your staff. Maybe you misread your talent, and that's why you have somebody unskilled making poor decisions. So maybe you should look back yes. this way, right? So many disadvantages uh can overcome with some absolutely. Good I mean, I'm a king of procrastination, man. So that time consuming I really have to take into consideration, Brian. What are your thoughts on these disadvantages?
2: Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the disadvantages, uh, the one that sticks out to me the most, Ed, is that that very last one you spoke of, and it's the poor decisions can be made if employees are unskilled, and so that's where it comes down to: is the right leader doing that talent management, doing that survey of what I've got here at the table? You know, do I have the wrong people leading mm. the wrong sections or the wrong uh, the wrong groups? You you have to be extremely uh sensitive to that because if you if i put let's just say ed i put um an aviator uh in charge of a supply like there could be some real big ramifications because they don't understand all of the dynamics of it you know or what or how about i do this i put a supply guy in charge of an aircraft uh phase maintenance easy they have no idea how it works so how how can i expect them to come up with <laughs> <laughs> yeah read a book right no but they don't they wouldn't know like estimates estimates on time frames and just different stuff that you you know you wanted to you know get into so it's yeah i think that one that's the key piece of that participatory leadership i did uh, a little bit of research you know, because i and I'm going to give one for each one of these uh, famous people who use these types of leadership styles. This participative leadership style. Richard Branson, guy just went in space. He uses that's his that's his primary leadership style that he actually talks about and he enjoys using. He says because it creates the mm. most bang for his buck when it comes to that creativity and and building. All these different things that he does. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's pretty that's interesting. Pretty, uh, it's pretty uh, interesting. good example
0: of somebody using it, though. Somebody like that. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I can always go military, but we'll just stick with that for now.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Ooh. move us on to old okay. delegative leadership, oh, you, my you friend. You gave me
1: this one on purpose. Um, so I had to use say this word.
2: <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> you hey actually I was sitting here looking at it and I was like Man, yeah I hope he, uh, delegative it leadership I don't know how. is
0: also <laughs> known as laissez-faire leadership. A delegative leadership style focuses on delegating initiative to team members. This can be successful strategy if team members are competent, take responsibility and prefer engaging in individual work. Talent management. However, disagreements among members may split and divide a group, leading to poor motivation and low morale. So one of the keys for me, Brian, before you get into disadvantages, disadvantages, right? When I think of delegative leadership, I think of, you know, I'm the whatever. I'm the platoon sergeant. I tell my squad leaders, hey, go to the motor pool and make sure it's ready for closeout. That's it. That's all I'm telling them. They're going to go do it. I'm letting them have the ball. They need to know what needs to be done to get the, you know, the motor pool ready for closeout. The catch to this of leadership is, if I just say to the first sergeant, okay, motor pool's ready for closeout, but I didn't go down there and verify anything. And then he goes down there and the motor pool is just trashed, right? Famous saying, famous saying, inspect, mm-hmm. not Expect. So I would expect an NCOs to go down there and clean it out. I'm not saying go behind them and look at everything, but go down there and do a quick inspection, just a quick look, boom, drip pans, you know, whatever the thing, a couple of vehicles maybe, and then say, okay, that's enough for me to know that they did the job. And then when I tell the first sergeant, hey, first sergeant, it's ready for closeout, then I'm confident that when he goes down there to also inspect, not expect he'll also find the same thing I did that it's good to go. So I think that's one of the things with delegate leadership. You can delegate, but you need a way to follow up, whatever that is, to make sure whatever it is you
1: delegated
0: actually happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, um, Edwin, you said that. You, you talked about inspect, yeah. not expect. or Yeah, you said inspect, not expect, right? All yeah, right. I, I, just I, I was like, man, I, up. I, I switched that out. Anyways. <laughs> So what I think is, is (laughs) what I would definitely say in that particular, that situation, you really have to, uh, give intent. If you don't give the right intent of what needs to be done, your expectations are not going to be met anyway. So that's why you have to push that, you know, just uh, inspect to make sure they hit your intent. You know, I, I don't want to. Uh, so one of my favorite leaders, I've talked about him before, Joshua, Bryan. man, he, he is a, a one of those guys. He actually, he'll tell you, I don't want to tell you how to bake the cake. I just need you to bake the cake mm-hmm. and give it to me. All right. Let me eat the cake. I, I want to taste the cake. I, I want, I don't want to sit there and tell you how to put the eggs in, put the flour and add the chocolate, add this, all these. I just want to be able to enjoy the cake at the table. But if I have to, I can break it down and we can learn how to bake a cake together. Yeah. But just yeah, know, delegative enough. I just bake the cake. That's all I need you to do. Right. Um, and that's what I think of. Uh, give intent, you know, hey, just bake me a cake. That's all I need from you. Okay. Uh, I love it. You got to hear. Maybe I should have, I should have had him on the show before I left Colorado too. I could always call him and get him on the show. I guarantee it. But, um, I just, I was, it was a weird, that weird subordinate leader relationship. I didn't want to kind of put him in that situation or me in that situation. So I was like, ah, I'll wait. But maybe if I can get yeah. promoted, then um, it'll be yeah, like peer, peer to peer. To peer, right? peer <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's just, I, I would. And the reason I say this because I would love him to tell that story on our show. It's, <laughs> it's one of those ones that you're just in awe of, kind of. I've told it before, like, you know, the whole, there's how yeah. many people in the organization, <laughs> if we all do the one same, if we all do day. one good thing, there's as much, you know, good things done. Um, so let's talk about, exactly. Uh, let's talk about uh, advantages, man. Um, well, there are some. What do we see as an advantages well, of I'm this gonna tell particular you I'm one? Talking.
0: I'm skipping around here, but yeah. I really like um, the innovation and creativity is highly valued. I think, like I said, my example hey, go make sure the motor pool's ready for closeout, and then I need to give my intent. But then they can go down there and use their own, you know, they can think creatively and and critically and say, okay, well, what needs to be done to make the motor pool be closed out? And then it lets them do that. And then if they come, come up to an obstacle, I want them to, you know, I've delegated to them. So there's this obstacle, and instead of saying, hey, what do you want me to do about this? I want them to be the ones to come up with a way, innovative way to overcome whatever that obstacle is. Oh, the one Humvee is is it's down. It's down. It's not able to move on its own, but I need to get it online with the rest. How do I do that? You know what I mean? Like, oh, let me grab a couple of soldiers, ask them to help me, boom, 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 and get out of your comfort zone. And I think that
1: that's why I like that one. Innovation and creativity is highly Valued in delegative leadership. Mm,
2: yeah, I love the fact that it creates a, a yeah. positive work environment too. Um, because you you pretty much make the force feel as if though they're running the show in a sense, and and they will take even more ownership on it uh, than yeah. If and you're you helping one day they style. are going to run the so. show.
0: So you're helping the organization, whether it be the battalion you're in or a company or maybe just the army. But you're teaching them lessons that's going to develop them so that you make the organization
1: better. So the organization, it's an Mm -hmm. advantage for them, too.
2: You know, and I see that, Ed. I kind of see that as uh, am I training the people that work uh, within my organization to take my job? And I think that delegative style uh, helps with that. And if you can, and if you can take so that one and mix it with a participative know, you one, you're you really going to create you this different type of styles. environment. There's
0: only, it's cookie cutter, man. There's one style for each person, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, <no>, you absolutely. <laughs>
0: yeah, hey, just one. In the words of Yeah, stick the to one, and great that's it. Anna Kendrick and Pitch Perfect. <laughs> it's a mashup. Leadership style is a mashup. We're gonna have a great mashup here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I can't believe yeah. you just quoted Pitch Perfect. Films. We're
2: we're uh, we're definitely reaching out to a different type of audience now, aren't we? Ed? Oh, All right, Brian. So what's the disadvantages? <laughs> yeah. So hey, let's. Ah, so command responsibility is not adequately defined. I I don't know if I can agree with that completely. I don't. It is clearly defined because you're delegating. You're saying, "Hey, this is the person in charge. This is run the one running this situation." And then when you, like you said, yeah. inspect, don't expect. If I'm inspect, I mean, come on, they know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I have a hard I mean, time I with that. Feel like right? it's the def-
0: I really maybe, is it so you have a little more experience because of your your um your academics is it maybe a civilian thing that but this paper is written by a military guy right so i I mean we all know in the military we all know ultimately the yeah. commander is responsible ultimately at the company level right like we know
2: it's just a known and so, so yeah. I,
0: that's why I mean. Yeah. I think you're yeah, right. That's a weird one. Uh, delegative leadership creates difficulty in adapting to change. That's a weird one too. To me, I think I'm making it more easy to yeah. adapt to change by creating these leaders who are innovative and creative. I mean, I can see. Yeah. But,
2: yeah. Yes. Hmm. But in in a, Yeah. And the reason you're doing that is you're creating that ownership. So they, they want to own it and they're going to adapt to that change because it's like, crap, this is my idea. If I let this fumble, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done, you know, or I, uh, they're not going to give me another one to run. So they're going to make the changes needed. Now, maybe, maybe what it is, is you put that person in charge of it and then you have three or four other people who don't adapt to the change very well. Now that could be the instance right so it's yeah i guess yeah. once again talent management um falls into
0: yeah it's weird uh so what we have next brian is transactional leadership and i'm gonna
2: yeah. uh well, oh yeah before we go to that we don't want to go to that did yet, I, miss I got a real i, I, I got a got good it. one participative uh yeah yeah yeah. I got a good example, and I think it and I think what we're going to do you know with this delegative leadership, we're going to kind of see when I give this example who who was a good delegate leader. Um, I did not really think about this so much until I read it. Ronald Reagan was a delegative leader, Ed. Uh, Reagan was mocked during his election campaign for his inexperience in day-to-day mm-hmm. politics and government management. However, when he arrived in office, he made up for these deficiencies by entrusting key economic positions to industry leaders from wall street. In addition, he is remembered for assigning an unprecedented amount of power to his chief of staff and other secretaries. And while Reagan is somewhat controversial, uh, a controversial uh, historical figure, he can certainly be remembered as an influential delegative leader. Uh, And I do now that I read that, I remember that, you know, yeah he had like he hit people in positions that were uh they were very much in charge of that position it wasn't he wasn't telling you know he was getting back brief um he was helping them through things like leadership wise but he allowed those experts in that field to kind of run that field and you know i mean, i people may disagree with me i, mean, was I thought it was a pretty solid I example I say, you had also. That, th- that was
0: yeah, I thought it was a pretty good example, Brian. I didn't think of it either. I mean, and in that situation with those guys, they have to put people in those key positions because he can't know every aspect. You know what I mean? So even with us, we, we have to have people in certain positions. Mm-hmm. You know, you as as the first sergeant, right? You're you know, you're running an aviation um company, you know the aviation maintenance side, but like you said earlier, you don't know the supply side as well. So you have to have that supply sergeant that you and your commander trust. You have to have that motor sergeant who's responsible for the maintenance of your your vehicles, your wheeled vehicles that y'all trust. So Because you can't know it all. Now, you can know a little bit about
1: several things, but not all of it. And I think that that's where that of leadership uh, comes in.
2: Yeah, I, I know I would tell you so far and I'm going to because I'm going to actually give you my my top five out of these five. Like I'm putting them in order as, as we go. Uh, I, I know this one sits pretty good in there. Uh, actually, okay. it's pretty high up on my list. I was so. not prepared to do um,
0: this. So uh, I may have to wing it.
2: <laughs> no, that's All OK. Right. You don't you don't yeah, have I to. You may have to wing it. To right. wing it so huh? Now we're ready yeah. to
0: make the transaction. We'll make the transition to that's the okay. transaction as in transactional leadership. But I'm going to go a little bit off script here, Brian. So I mentioned earlier the article from the NCO Journal, Mastering the Art of Dynamic Leadership, which you should include in the show notes and probably give a little browse to. It's not a long article. But in that article, it had this to say about transactional leadership. It is known as the telling, telling style of leadership Focuses on structure, results, rewards, and penalties. Leaders provide subordinates with goals, establish project checks, provide performance reports, and motivate them with rewards based on a recognized system. So I just really like the way it was worded, to you know, on the uh, journal. So that's why I start with that instead of the article we're using today. The article we're using today says. Transactional leadership styles use transactions between leaders and their followers, rewards, punishments, and other exchanges to get the job done. The leader sets the clear goals, and team members know how they'll be rewarded for their compliance. This give-and-take leadership style is more concerned with efficiency following established routines and procedures than making a transformational change to an organization. So this is uh, is a couple examples. So one thing I used to love to do with my soldiers is a go-home list, Uh, especially on Friday. You know, you're getting off early usually. And I would just come in and say, these are the things I need done by the end of the day. And then the how is on them. These are the things I need to get done because we're going to the field next week, so they have to all be done today. When they're done, you guys can get a safety brief and be released. Boom. They got a they I made a deal with them. They can go home early if they get the work done, right? So you, you kind of made that deal with them. The other part of this that's one of my favorite things. So it talks about um uh, rewarding soldiers, you know, um, uh for their actions, right? So very famously it leads to some very negative incidents, but very famously General Patton would actually go to the field hospitals. During World War II, and he was pinning medals on soldiers' chest in the hospital, rewarding them for what they had done, you know, like so building that that bond with these soldiers. And this is why that he was known as such a um, aggressive leader, I guess. There's a different word that he was called, but his men were super proud to serve him. Where if somebody says to you, hey Brian, who are you serving with? And you say, Oh, I'm in fourth cab, fourth infantry division. But his men would say, Oh, I'm with Patton. Because they had that bond. And and when the bigger a jerk this guy was, the more he had a following from his soldiers. But it was stuff like this recognize them for what they did. He also used to find them for stuff like not having their helmet shiny enough. So there's also the punishment side of that for that transactional give and take leadership. You know, you do what you're supposed to. I'll take care of you. So this is one. Yeah. This is probably high on my list if I had taken time to make one, but I missed the staff meeting when you said we were going to do that. But this would probably be high. I, I like the idea of, um, you know, you, I take care of you. You take care of me, the whole thing. I've always kind of liked that. And then I have a flip side to this after mm-hmm. you get, provide your input, Brian.
2: Yeah, um, what you just talked about there, like you basically you get something for something. And uh I, I what it does talk about in our article about what the advantages, it talks about creating mm-hmm. specific, measurable, and time-bound goals that are achievable for employees. I would also refer our listeners back to our episode on SMART goals because that's pretty much what a smart goal is. It you know, that specific, measurable, uh achievable. Um r- Man, R- I can't R- remember the R. Though. I think it yeah. was re- um, relative, and then and then time bound. Yeah, I, I have to have to look at it again. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like we have to look at that. And I do, I do like that idea of like, hey, listen, if you get this done, this is what your this is what your uh, award is. Okay. The only problem I see with that, though, Ed, the the big problem I see is that is if I say, all right, I need you to get this area cleaned by this time and then you can leave early. Well, what if they go into it and they only uh, do half the job right, right? Uh, let, let's, say, let's say we had to do a police call, of, you mentioned the motor pool, a police call of a motor pool. Those of you know, that's basically walk around, yeah. pick up trash or anything that shouldn't be on, you know, there and then throwing it away, just making an area clean. Well, let's say we did a police call, but they only did of uh, the areas that were visible that I could see just standing in certain angles. And then didn't realize at the end that um that inspect, not expect, that I walk around and I look behind containers or or vehicles that are just sitting parked way back in the back. And then I notice that, hey, there's all this trash here. Well, they're gonna be upset yeah. when I say, no, no, you ain't done yet. You've got all this stuff. And then that motivation may creep down just a little bit, you know. Oh man, we still got to go after it. Yeah, of course. But it, I think that comes down to listen. When I say, hey, you're doing this, me maybe I explain. I expect all the areas within this the confines of this yeah. fence uh, to be cleaned up. So make sure you're looking behind vehicles, behind. You know, it's given those specific instructions to help. And that tells leaders create specific, measurable, time bound goals. So we have to be specific. Sometimes we may expect something, but because we expected it. We didn't say it. We were yes. thinking it, but we didn't say it. And that could be a problem. And and you're gonna create uh you're gonna yeah, create a little bit of uh demotivation.
0: Very true, Brian, I didn't think of it like that. But yeah, sometimes we expect that when I say do a police call, they know we mean all the trash. Um and, and you definitely can see the air come out their sails when you say, Okay, well, you didn't do it right this time, so what we're gonna do is I need you to do another police call yep. on the whole motor pool, and I'll be back in an hour. And then you can see the you can see the wind come right out of those old sails. But over time and space, they get to know <sighs> you just like we got to know yep. them. They get to know you, and they know well. Masson is not playing around. Like if he says police call, he means if it didn't grow, pick it up. So then they, the next time they're going to get that time off because they're going to do the job yes. right because they know I'm not playing around. So. That kind of plays into it. Um, so this is one of the things I found when I did my paper, Brian. This was a flip side kind of. This is something I found very interesting when you talk about transactional leadership. So Field Marshal Montgomery said, The success of a commander does not arise from following rules or models. It consists in an absolutely new comprehension of the facts of the situation and all the forces at work. So this is he just kind of was a little bit different thought process to the whole thing. And and maybe it plays a little more in some of the other leadership styles, but he just basically was saying like following these rigid rules, like we talk about with transaction leadership, um, not always the key to success, but that's also goes back to us talking about we want some, we want people who think creatively and are innovative because then they realize like, here's the rules that we normally would do this thing with, but we've got this, issue and we can stray from the rules and fix that, correct that issue and then come back into line with whatever the rules or model is. So um, just innovation. I mean, I think that's one of the things I've taken the most out of the research for this week and the reading for this week is the importance of creativity and um, the importance (coughs) of innovation in a leader. It,
1: It makes a huge difference.
2: Yes, definitely. All right. Um, we'll talk about uh, empathy is not valued. Do you think in that transactional leadership that empathy well, is not I valued? Mean, uh,
0: from a person who does not do a great job at empathy, um, <laughs> I guess it. I could see. I can see where it, whatever yeah, could, man you do. I mean, any of these really right scenario, right situation, right time and space. Yeah, I can make it where empathy is not valued in that particular instance. But in others, maybe not so much. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the the author, when they wrote the advantages and disadvantage, they meant to write them with the fluidity of leadership styles. You know, some it's not a perfect fit. Sometimes everything fits just right, but sometimes, you know, you got like a thing yeah. that's not all, you know lined up. So maybe that's kind of why he says these, because we didn't agree with the last two disadvantages in the previous one. Um, and now here we are again, kind of looking at it, I'm like, uh, maybe, you know, like for me, I look at the transactional leaders, create more followers than leaders among employees. And I say that depends on how your task is communicated. If you're, you're giving them that, that task and you leave some room for the leader to determine the how, right? Like going back to Sergeant Major Bryant, uh, if you just tell them I want a cake and then you let them figure out what type of cake you know, when, you know, what it's going to taste like, you just tell them, hey, I want a cake and I want a cake at 1700 hours today. And then the rest is up to that leader. Then I would argue that you're creating Mm -hmm. leaders. You're creating people who think like leaders. So that would be my kind of, and that's why I say, maybe that's what the author's idea was, is is there is that movement that can happen uh, amongst these advantages and disadvantages.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think where you're getting there, Ed, uh, I think he took out of the equation the, of meshing more than one mm-hmm. of these leadership styles together because I can definitely tell you looking at this, um, using delegative with transactional, meshing those two together. So putting somebody, giving somebody that uh, that they are in charge of it and this is what happens. You know, These are the rewards. These are the punishments for it. I think you are creating, I mean, you probably are creating more followers than leaders because you're only allowing one person to be the leader at the time. However, you don't have to pick the and same person all the time. You know, yeah. you could you could you change should it up, you know, because and then you're gonna wear rocks. out, you know, yeah, and I
0: exactly. uh, think we've talked about before. We've probably both done it as young um junior leaders, but you get that person and you know you can count on them and you just ride them to the wheels fall off. And then when the wheels fall off, you're like, I don't understand what happened. But you played a role in breaking that person down because you didn't use other people. So, yeah, I think we've talked about that before on the show.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I just had it and I can't find where I there we go. So I found uh, what some say are uh, some renowned transactional leaders. Uh, they say Bill Gates. Okay. Uh, Norman Schwarzkopf, Vince Lombardi, and then uh, Howard Schultz—he's so the one from uh, Starbucks. Uh, but those are transactional okay. leaders. Uh, it, but I read a little something a little further down, Ed. that I, I felt I felt was interesting, and I think you'll like this. Uh, it is assumed that transactional leaders often have seen uh, have uh, been seen following Maslow's theory of hierarchy needs. I like ooh that makes sense. Uh, Here, the leader concentrates on the psychological satisfaction and other basic necessities of his followers to give their best performance. So basically, using that psychological factor within it to Hmm. get the best performance as possible out of them. Uh, And I think you 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 know using uh, Maslow's theory of hierarchy needs that um, I think you're. If you're understanding that and you're using that uh, effectively, you, you're, you're in a little bit higher <laughs> yeah. thought process than most people yeah. or most leaders would be. Yeah, because so, I mean, that's that's some point. in-depth stuff. I didn't.
0: That was in the article. Hold on, did I miss that?
2: Oh no, this is no, it's a man, separate one. That you have I, worried, I, I I did some side said, research. Man, yeah, no, 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 no. I did that? some. Like, I was yeah. driving.
0: We, no, we no, riding no. back from Munich, and I'm taking notes. <laughs> you know, I'm hot spotting, <laughs> and I'm reading and I was like, man, did I just like because I'm telling you, I was fighting I was fighting a Z monster all the way back from Munich today. So I was like, maybe I blacked out and fell asleep. I don't remember that part. Okay. Now that makes sense.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, so yeah, so I can see I can see some of those things like like the Vince Lombardi. I really can see uh, that type of transactional leaderships within his leadership. I think style, a lot of coaches uh, when he led the Green Packers. I
0: can see that from um, a lot of coaches. All
2: right, so, so I, but yeah. you think about it,
0: Brian. Go, yeah, yeah, mine, right? yeah, We both played sports, yep. so if you play better, you get more time on the on the court, on the field, whatever. If you play worse, we flip you sit on the bench so that's a transactional leadership right there just in basic coaching is the better you play the more you get the you know of course nowadays oh everybody plays 10 minutes exactly i don't care that you haven't missed a shot you know anyway
2: (laughs) Mm. yeah Yeah, that's yeah. I can see now. As you say that, I noticed my football time increased, and I remember my basketball time (laughs) decreasing because I I wasn't very good at it. So (laughs) I was I was like a big ogre on the uh, (laughs) basketball court, man. So Um, (sighs) now, hey, so funny story. There was this one time I got to go in. It was in the varsity gate. It was I was on the team, and I'm in, and uh, I didn't make. I the, the the there was it was a quick transition. Somebody stole the ball. I, I think it was uh, a guy named Tommy Waterman. As a matter of fact, it was. And he throws it to me. And I'm like, I'm just like, let it go. Like around three point line, around uh, ha- like I was near the three point line. No, but about to hit the foul line. And he throws it. And I'm like, oh, I am, I am dunking oh no. this and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I go up, I, I come up, I go hardcore behind me and I, I go to hit it. Brick City, bro. And I held onto the rim, so not only not only did I brick it, but I also got a technical. <laughs> so if there's anybody from my school that remembers that, I I remember it specifically. See? I got pulled out of the Transactional game. Transactional like leadership, that. Coach me was not play. It. Yeah, you go to the bench. <laughs> yeah, all I had to all I had to do was lay it up, and I no. remember I remember somebody in the crowd go dunk it, oh, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm. I'm about to throw down. <laughs> I get, I you know, you know when people talk about like the slow motion in that life, was like that was like that's one of those instances where it's like I'm coming up and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is gonna be good, and then I halfway through I brick it, and like as I'm hitting the brick, I'm like, oh that bricked, and then I'm hanging onto the rim and I'm watching the ball go <laughs> up and over behind me, and I'm like. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Everything slows was, a, it was down. At this point that your so. career transformed. <laughs> oh funny. <and laughs> yes. Uh you, you're no longer <laughs> very good at ball. No, I was never good at basketball. I, I was horrible at it, man. Uh um all right. So hey, we're moving on to transformational leadership. This is our fifth yeah. and final before we uh close out the show. Transformational leadership styles. The leader Ooh. inspires their followers with a vision, and then encourages and empowers them to achieve it. The leader also serves as a role model for the vision. Uh, you know, Some of the advantages with this, we're talking about it, it leads to a lower employee turnover rate. Um, transformational leadership places high value mm. on corporate vision. So we're taking that overall vision, and we're, we're, you know we're basically putting it on a pedestal, and we're saying, hey, this is us. This is how we live, and then you hold to it. Uh, high morale of employees is often experienced. Um, it uses motivation and inspiration to gain the support of employees. It is not a coercive approach to leadership. Uh, it places high value on relationships. So, you know, when I think about this, right, Ed, I think about that transformational, and then I think about the advantages. Uh, one of our one of our um, sister services. I think uses that big time and they use it because they have a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're their ground in their heritage. Um, I think the Marine Corps is very much a transformational leadership style in general, right? Um, because oh, wow. you think about it, like Chesty Puller. Um, I think we've talked about Chesty on here before that guy was, I mean, he created this vision and people, they just they would just follow him blindly, practically mm-hmm. uh, into battle. He would stand up like on the berm. You know, I, I think Jocko read different passages, uh, and we, we, you and I, both talked about. We've listened to the episodes where Jocko goes all through Chesty, and then he goes through Chesty's son. But talking about like Chesty would stand on a berm with his pistol, just shooting at the enemy, uh, not caring if a bullet was going to hit him, and then others would follow behind him. And it's because, you know, of that, that vision that, that, that he created. Yeah, and no, that's, and we, that's we a, a big a whole
0: thing. Vision, but yeah, I agree. Um, this is, um, so for me, this one here is just, because it talks about, you know, the encourages and empowers the, them to achieve it. The leader serves as the role model for the vision. Brian, that is an army tradition. That is just leadership by example. Um, And, and, And I think that this is the reason it's an army thing is because this is something that can work when the environment changes. This is something that can be, you know, flexible and and can move with whatever the given situation is. Um, Excuse me. And then from that same article I used for my paper, it basically says this is where ideas flow freely and subordinates are encouraged to provide uh, uh, solutions. But it doesn't work. In the initial development uh, decision making period, where there is little to no structure to support the team. So, the example that I have for this is we're going to go back to the book. So, this is a book that you have, Brian, by Porter Williamson, who was the judge advocate at the Desert Training Center for General Patton. And it's from Principles of Life and Leadership. And General Patton yes. demanded obedience but not blindness. He never objected to anyone opposing his plans if there was a good basis for the altered plan. And that, to me, is what transformational leadership's all about. Like, yeah, if, if you can tell me why that's the better route, let's, let's do it. You know, And I think that this is very rooted in, um, when we talk about leadership philosophy, command philosophies,
1: I think that this type of leadership style is very rooted in those things as well, Brian.
2: absolutely yeah i i'm uh I would definitely say that this is another good one it's in you have to think about that motivation inspiration yeah uh, those are those are key elements you you really got to have those, so mm. you have to know your people. You you can't just use this on a brand new group of people. You've got to know them, or you've got to ingrain something in that organization first yeah, at, before 100%. you can just start using this. Right? Well, real quick before you do that, uh, let's look I, some I have dis-
0: to do this. So you said it, you're about it uses motivation and inspiration okay. to gain and support employees. So here's a direct quote from my paper, my quote, not somebody else's. Yeah, I said, when subordinates feel like they have a dog in the fight, they gain confidence in their commander and their loyalty increases as a result. And I think that plays into that understanding the motivation and the inspiration to gain the support of your employees. Uh, they have a dog in the fight now. This is my, you know, whatever. And, and that ownership, extreme or not, that ownership is what drives them
1: to success, I feel like. Um, so what are some disadvantages, Brian?
2: Yes. Uh well let's look Oof, at it. we got leaders leader. can deceive employees. <laughs> um uh, that one I think you can you can fall into that with a lot of them. Yeah 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 uh consistent motivation and constant feedback may be required. So that's that that's that you have to continuously be engaged. You gotta you gotta be hitting those you gotta hit different waypoints. You gotta constantly be, you know, measuring. You know, doing yeah. your battlefield circulation. We've talked about it before. You've got to constantly be measuring by being involved. You got to be engaged. Uh, this is not this is not a leadership style for somebody who wants to just say, "All right, get this done and walk away, no. and then come back and check on it a day or two later." No, you've got to constantly be engaged with this. Uh, tasks can't be pushed through without the agreement of employees. Like, so you you know it's one of those things where they they've got to they, be you've got to get them yeah. hook line in the sinker you got to get them to buy into it first yes exactly uh transformational leadership can sometimes lead to the deviation Ooh. of protocols and regulations now that people yeah so people may go outside the norm in it and or what is considered legal illegal so now we have to think about all right am i yeah you know Legally, Slippers, morally, yeah. and ethically correct in this? Am I doing things that I'm, you know, are are they, are are they deviating? And if they deviate, man, it's hard to reel people back in once they've gone outside that, you know, into the gray area. Right? Yeah. Or what, the wrong area. It's, it's harder to reel them back in because like, oh, it's way easier to do it this way. Why don't we just change the rules? Well, because maybe the rules are illegal, immoral, and unethical. You never yeah, know.
0: I mean, and then it plays right into that deceiving employees, man. right? Transformational leadership, the deviation of protocols and regulations and and the deception. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it does paint a pretty nasty picture for this leadership style. But then there's also other highs for this leadership, like the relationships and the getting the buy-in. So there's some, there's some really low lows, and then there's some really high highs for this type of leadership style. But I mean, at the end of the day, it goes into why these these leadership styles can mesh and, and you can use pieces of each and these aren't all inclusive these are just the ones in the article cuz i can tell you like uh when for the paper i wrote servant leadership was another leadership style which is a newer thing that we use uh in the military so but, yes. and we've you, we've actually talked about it on the show so there's some other ones out there but Yeah, they have to be interchangeable. They have to be able to mesh to the situation. I think the situation drives the leadership style to some extent. Uh, I think the days of having the Yeller Screamer Mm -hmm. guy, you know, the first style we talked about, those days are kind of behind us unless a certain situation. But, um,
1: yeah, so with these five, Ryan, what do you think?
2: Um I will tell you, I found a decent um, example for this one. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with who Peter Drucker is. Um, he I have a f- couple of his books. Uh, he's big time into the whole you know uh, leadership realm and management and just doing doing things that uh, make sense. But it, it, this is what I found was Peter Drucker was a transformational leader, working as a management consultant and professor primarily. He predicted the rise of Japan's economy as a global power. The age where people would need to learn in an effort to keep their jobs or advance in their career, and the value of marketing and innovation. Drucker coined the term knowledge worker. He transformed the industry's understanding of what a worker would be in the future, as well as what entrepreneurship would entail. He saw this as a vehicle of innovation. Entrepreneurship was not just about high technology. It was also a vehicle for change in behavior mm. attitude and values mm yeah that to me that speaks to the idea of motivating, you know motivating inspiring people all right uh and just kind of creating that um so you know with these five ed i I went ahead and i <laughs> did a, I, I did a one through five on it and and then I picked what I liked the best um but what you said there when you said you had to mesh it, I feel like as if the Someone who you know, is growing as a young leader and if they're listening to this show, I would tell them right now, learn these, at least these five. And maybe also servant leadership because I think that one's a great one. Put them in a tool bag and then know yeah, how to employ them or pull them out and use them as a tool when it's needed. You know, it's, don't stick to just one. You have to. And that's I think that's the difference between now T- today's type of leaders yeah. versus, let's say, 50 years ago. You know, they were very rigid. They stuck to a certain pathway, right? And I think this this particular uh, article or just the understanding these leadership styles, I think it meshes well with also reading the article <laughs> The Toxic Leadership in the U.S. Army by uh, Colonel Denise Williams. Um, because then you understand you can look at that and you can say, all right, I don't want to push... This uh, authoritarian too far because then it may me look like a rigid leader. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, or I don't want to push this narcissist leader oh, yeah. too far because it may you know be or I don't want to be a narcissist leader because then you know within my authoritarian style because then people will stop following you know so you it's like looking at at it as I have to know what is the right tool for the right instance uh i said it in class the other day we were talking about something uh and i said you know hey i can give you the tool i can give you a okay. hammer all day long ed i can give you a hammer but unless you know how to use that hammer and hit it hit the nail on the head i mean i can show you but i can't do a hand over hand with a hammer and teach you how to hammer things effectively you know we could sit there and go tap 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 but how long is that going to take that's I can show you, but you've got to pick it up at some point and run with it, you know, so I can only give you tools. I think you have to learn how to use it. So
0: one of the things in the, towards the end of the article under the developing your leadership style that super stood out to me is the last sentence of the first paragraph. Leadership is not about providing a specific response in a particular situation. It's about authentically using your natural leadership strengths to inspire and motivate others. And I think that goes into what you're saying. Like, again, you learn the the techniques, but the hardest part to me, especially, I'm thinking about when I was a, a junior leader. I think the hardest part to me would be to figure out how to match them. You know, how to match that um, authoritarian style with a situation. What situation is that good in, or what situation am I in now? And what leadership style works best? But I do think with experience. And over time in your career, you start to become more instinctive with it and you understand more quickly the authoritarian is not going to work for the soldier yes. who just had a family yes. member pass away. That's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it's that development and that, that sense of being yes. human yes. that really go a long way, Brian. So let's hear, your, uh, let's hear your top five.
2: All right. So right before my last five. My top five. Let me let me give you something real quick though, because uh I got reached out to via email. I don't know if I told you about well, I may have yeah, said no too. I didn't. Uh so Rick Williams reached out to me and he was talking about that they're about to do some men- mentorship. I did did you get it too? The mentorship? Yes, I, I have
0: something to follow on with after you're done.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So what I was gonna read here though, it <laughs> talks about leadership coaching is another way to identify your leadership strengths and weaknesses. I, 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 we're going to later down the road, we're going to, you know, we did one sometime back, we did mentors and mentees. I think we're going to explore that subject a little bit better to help really define it, really um, just to make sure it's understandable. And then how do we do this? You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it can fall to the wayside and it may just be something so that people throw no. lip service to. Yeah. And instead we need to be doing, 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 and leadership coaching is one of those things within that mentor mentee type thing, where if you have a mentor that can help you identify those strengths and weaknesses, then you're able to say okay. But it's it's also Ed, it's about being able to listen to that criticism or that that feedback and not taking it with it, You know, like as if you know, oh, this is, he's a knock on me as a per-. No, maybe that person actually wants you to be better you know, and they want to, you know, and it's not everything is wrong with you. Maybe it's just they say, Hey, there's these areas you could work upon to become better. And that's why I think that whole yeah. leadership coaching is a critical thing. Um, let me, I'll run, uh, I know you're going to bring it up, but let me run down through my top five. So if I were to go with these, my top five and how I like, I like to em- employ them. Uh, I participative is always first for me. I enjoy participative because it really helps me also, not only Get multiple people involved, but also it helps me okay. to measure their abilities, to know where their strengths and weak. I may put somebody, I may try to put the right person in in a, in a uh, in a position, and then realize later, oh, wow, this is not for them. This is not their their forte. Uh, the next next in line to me is delegative. I find that delegative can yeah that okay. you're creating leaders out of delegative leadership styles. I enjoy it. Uh, Number three is transformational because I love the motivation factor, the inspiration, the um, creating visions, and then having that that unified goal. I love those. I, that to me is... It's just in, kind of ingrained in me with that. Then I go with transactional. I think transactional is nice, uh, but sometimes it... I think it gets in the way of that overall goal because what happens is people come too yeah. focused on their their reward comes an expectation, and not really yeah. the outcome. You know what I mean? And th- <laughs> exactly. And then finally, I I uh, I like to use authoritarian sparingly, um, very sparingly, because I think those are that's that. You get over there behind that berm, shoot, you know, that type of thing. Instead of telling people what to do every day, all day, it turns into more like, well, I am the common enemy that I don't want to be. There's, there's two different types of common enemies. There's the one that, you know, there's the one that you you want to be that's uh, competitive, right? But not the common enemy that everyone hates because you're a jerk. And you don't have to be a jerk just because you're a leader. Uh,
0: Well, I'm not going to do that. That's what I had, brother. What you got? rob myself and maybe not have them in order because I wouldn't give them the due thought. I do hope my wife listens, though, because I can tell you the one I least like to deal with. (laughs) I I don't like authoritarian leaders. And so here at home, well, I hope she listens to authoritarian leader and realizes I just don't like that one. She'll recognize herself in it. But (laughs) –
1: is she yeah. an authority? No, I'm is just she kidding. She's not. Into she's you. a
0: sweetheart. I was just messing with her. See if she, this is how I test when she <laughs> listens or not. I go, oh, do you like what I said about <laughs> you on the show? No, I'll say, do you like what I said oh, about you on the show? And, and she'll say, oh yeah, that was so sweet. i am like, really? was <laughs> it sweet though? Um, <laughs> so first thing, let's go back to the bearded ninja. I also got the email from the bearded ninja. And he, uh, very passively, pointed out my error so i owe the uh listeners a apology last week i refer, when we were talking about being competent and consciously competent and yeah i referred to it as the johari window <laughs> and that is not correct it is actually a type of uh, learning model called the thought freeze yeah. model i encourage you to go check that out but um he didn't say hey that was the wrong thing but he also sent me a slide of the, the the correct model, and I was like, "Okay, I get it. I can t- I worked with him long enough. I could take a hint from the bearded ninja, and because he's frightening, it's not like I'm going to say anything yeah. back. So anyway, yeah. I do owe the listeners an apology for that. And then, uh, but the listeners. I think I just saw him looking in your window. He has been, he does know Germany. So he's behind you. Uh yeah, that was my one thing I, I wanted to talk about. Brian. <laughs> this has yeah. been a show and a half. Uh oh, uh, one more thing for the listeners. So I encourage the listeners to check us out on YouTube at the Instinctive Influencers YouTube page. Give us a subscription. Go ahead and subscribe. Give me a subscription. You subscribe and then give a thumbs up and a couple of comments. Um I'd like to see an increase in our numbers there. Also check us out on all yeah. media, uh, social media platforms, uh, such as Instagram and Facebook at Instinctive Inf- at um, One Hundred One influencers. And then also check out the uh, webpage that we have, the Instinctive Influencers podcast webpage. I don't know. I, I haven't been on it in a couple of weeks. I don't know if Brian's made any changes, but if you put in the comments that you'd like to see some changes to the website, and that makes that puts the pressure on Brian, and he has to make updates to the website. So you could go ahead and do that as well. But check out the website and definitely get involved. Yes, drop some comments, drop some suggestions. Uh, we did have uh, I know I, I, at least I saw a listener responded to last week's show and added another C to the sh- to the uh, list of our C's last week. Yeah, so that was fantastic, and and it was yes. a good one. I forget. Oh, was it was oh, on top of my head. I don't know if top of my head. I'm old. Um, but it was a good one and it was yeah so yeah check <laughs> us out we appreciate you listening we tr- appreciate you continue to yeah, yeah. Um, go to youtube and check us out so uh yeah that's uh me think yeah that's it brian
2: <laughs> <laughs> no yeah uh no, actually I, w- I wanted to throw that shout out to marcus uh merita Murta, I I actually just recently uh met him and you know here and he is uh he's one heck of a guy. He's a great dude. Uh, I I I like interacting with him. He seems to be to me I feel like he's one of those guys that he is very much of putting people before himself. Um uh actually you remember my old uh, hybrid giant bike that I had? Yeah. Uh it was the it was the straight barred one. Yeah, I gave it to him. I let him have it cuz I I wasn't riding it anymore and I just and I enjoy riding my my road bike i was like and this dude wanted to he he didn't have he wanted a bike he was gonna buy one i was like no nah, dude don't buy one i'll just give you one so um and he is an avid listener ed marcus oh, wow. is an. he's Murta is an avid living he listens almost all the time he says he okay. says he listens well, then, to us uh, while he's I'm working gonna out i'm gonna send him an autograph podcast so, like an you
1: man you <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that, Marcus? You're getting an autograph sticky, right so yeah. sticky note, Right <laughs> now, <laughs> bu- yeah. Autograph
0: sticky note for Marcus.
1: Or, yeah, yeah. We
2: don't have we don't have a huge budget, yeah. you know. It, um, I, I have think the it's sticky zero dollars right here, right now. Is is what, is what the I'm one. On. I'm
0: gonna send. <laughs> I'll sign this
1: baby and send out.
2: <laughs> yeah, conviction. Ed conviction, was the, C, the fourth Excellent. C that he, right. uh, he gave it was us a
1: good one
2: though. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, yeah. You see how I did that. I was trying to do that. Uh, talk, talk about my buddy and then also make sure I looked yeah. it up real quick. Cause, uh, he gave, it was a great answer. I loved it. Um, but Hey, those of you out there, Hey, he, like, like Ed said, thumbs us, give us a thumbs up. Um, you know, uh, with this YouTube channel, Uh, Keep listening though on the other platforms if you want, you know, like there's so much out there that you can do. Um, I, I had a buddy uh, last name, Thomas. Uh, He, Matt Thomas, we're sitting in class and like out of the blue yesterday and he just, or not yesterday, Friday, he throws us a plug in the classroom. He's like, Hey, you guys should listen to Weber's podcast is blah, blah, blah. He's like, and then all of a sudden now another one says, Yeah, put it in our group chat. And I'm yeah, like, I know. okay. Yeah, I'm just not used to doing that. Either. You know, like I don't try to push and, uh, we, were, what we, we were we were driving to, to uh,
0: we're doing a conference yeah. here we were driving to kind of scope it out. And my captain, the, the civilian that works with us, she was like, Oh yeah, what are like podcast what are some good podcasts? And she's like, Well, you know, Massar has a podcast. So <laughs> might be a new listener for Denise. Denise might be joining the instinctive influencers team. Yeah. So actually she'd be a good yeah. if I could get her, she'd be a good interview yeah. Retired and, 5 and you know what? loggy now doing civilian side.
2: She'd probably be a pretty good yeah. Well, maybe 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 talk to her about like something that she's passionate yeah. about and we yeah. can bring it up as a topic and then bring her on. All right, it, buddy. So. yeah. All right. Well, hey, Ed, it was great, man. It was, I mean, we ran into so people aren't gonna see it. We ran into some difficulties at the beginning. We worked through it, and we were actually Ish. able to finish our show <laughs> like normal. Um, thank you very much, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, yeah. we did. there was a lot that happened today, yeah. you know? I mean, you got back Munchen, from Munich. Muchen. Um, Is it Muchen? Muchen. Muchen. <laughs> so you got back from there. Muchen. Um, oh, man. You dealt with a lot of computer issues, and I just sat here and drank my coffee while I watched it. Um, all right. But, let's uh, do it. So I'm going to close it out, Ed. All right. Yeah. Well, oh, I have to find the button, buddy. Do, do,
0: do. And I do, do, if do, I don't do, do this do, right, do, do, you know, then.
2: Oh, no, uh, that's not it. Do, 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 do. Yeah, because people get all upset.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I am <laughs>
2: I am Brian. And this has been the Instinctive Influences Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And don't forget. Those leadership styles, you can use them all. Be a legend.